This is Sierra Loxton and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast, and we are joined by the Freaky Princess, Miss Sierra Loxon. Uh, thank you again, Sierra, for your time and for your energy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be a part of this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for, for taking the time. Uh, for those that maybe aren't as familiar with Sierra, um, maybe you can give them a bit of a background as to your early training, uh, your career... Up until really about a month ago, maybe even just a few weeks ago? Yeah, um, yeah. so for those who don't know me, um, my name is Sierra Loxon, also known as the Freaky Princess. I am 22 years old. I am slash was a independent professional, professional wrestler in uh, the UK. Um, I trained at Dragon Pro Wrestling in South Wales, which is based, also based in the UK. I was trained by Mark Andrews, Wildball Mike Hitchman, Mike Bird, Flash Morgan Webster, and a few more. Um, I have wrestled all over the UK. I've wrestled for Progress Wrestling, Rev Pro, ICW, um, even WXW, and every single promotion you can think of that are based in the UK, big or small. And from each of those experiences, I'm sure the relationships were probably just as important. How did they all kind of weave themselves? And how was it that Sierra was able to get her name out and able to to connect with as many people as she did? I started training when I was about 15 um, at Dragon Pro. And um, I trained for about two years before I actually made my wrestling debut. Um, and then when, obviously, I made my debut, I was technically... Not kind of the only girl, but was um, the only girl that was, you know, in the UK at the time. A lot of the female talent in the UK were out wrestling, um, you know, like stardom in Japan. Mm -hmm. And um, there wasn't that many girls in the UK. So once they needed a a girl, they would also ask my trainers and be like, hey, look, do you know anyone who can be on this show? So I think that's how I kind of like, you know, started to get my name out there a bit. It was kind of just like, we need a girl. Have you got anyone? Um, so, yeah. So I was like pushed for shows kind of that way. Once I was actually able to like get my name out there, like I, I was able to show more fans like who I was. Um, and then it kind of just like went from there, really. So when you said some of your trainers, I guess, so Mark Andrews and Wild Boar were able to kind of put your name forward and... and move around yeah so it was literally just um you know like do you have anyone at your training school that we can like put in the car with you to travel down to a show and it was like yeah okay like we have sierra so then we kind of just like went to shows together that way and then because they knew i was in the same area as like my trainers it was easier to kind of um you know oh we'll just put sierra in a car like we need her for like a show like she's like the only girl in the uk or like that is in the uk at the moment um, and obviously they don't have to pay excess for anyone else to come from different areas and whatnot. Oh, okay. Um, so did that lead to any other, are you connecting with any other females that were also kind of in the same boat and still looking to get their name out much like yourself? Yeah. So I'm, there was obviously a few girls which were like new on the scene and stuff and like none of us had been working like that, that long anyway. So, um, 
it was like like Millie McKenzie, like um we would do like um Iron Fist shows together, like I was like eighteen, she was like sixteen, um, maybe even younger than that actually. And like we would we were starting up in the business, so we it was like girls had kind of helping each other, like built up in the business. And also you had people who like veterans in like the female veterans in the UK and stuff which were elsewhere so it was nice to connect with um females who are like being brought up in like the independent scene as well so it was, it was nice early training um when you mentioned 18 or 16 and in some places uh starting as early as 12 and 14 in some places uh were was this always something where where was the the opportunity was there ever apprehension on promotions to say hold on a second they're technically still kids but at the same time you're they they trusted enough and were uh, trusted you enough to to do that is there ever was there ever any fear either on your parents part or your part no like when i first started training i was like 15 and i was so scared like i was scared to even like bump or do a roll like i didn't really have any idea like what i was doing but the more you're brought into the wrestling business and the more you're training, you, the more you're around like your peers and whatnot, you learn how to, I mean, you might still be young in other people's eyes, but you're mature because you've been brought around like that kind of like, you know, atmosphere. And like, so even though we're young, we're respectful and we're respectful to our peers and um, we're able to, you know, just be like, like mature about the situation. So I think when we went to shows, we acted older than what our age actually was. So I think that kind of gives the promoters, you know, like, oh, okay, cool. Like they're not going to just like mess around and whatnot. And um, yeah, just kind of like that really. But you also had those that put your name forward, probably also protecting and making sure that you weren't taken advantage of. Yeah, we, we literally had like, I mean, all of our trainers look out for us. Like, they look out for everyone. And um, yeah, like we've always been protected in you know like that kind of sense and yeah it's just it's it's a safe environment to be in as you've gone through your career there have been matches that i'm sure have stood out uh, either for the right or the wrong reasons Um, but as your journey continued on which ones early on could you say you you leaned on as being ones that helped you progress I think mainly most of them, to be honest, because, yeah. um, you know, like I was new in the business. Like I didn't really have an idea of what I was doing. Like I was still training. I was still very young. And it was kind of just like every match was a learning experience. And even though as like I got more into the business and I was like two or three years into the business, it's every match is a learning experience. And um, I mean, I've had like, a fair few bad matches but you come away and like, even like some good matches you know but you come away from it and like you grow as a person and you grow as a wrestler and you want to better yourself do you ever look back at your body of work and saying i could have done this i should have done this but again you just pointed out learning experience but do you ever look back at past matches and see where changes in yourself have come along I don't know. I mean, there's matches that have, like, stick out and, like, obviously, like, different living experiences and whatnot. And I can, from when I first started, like, wrestling and, like, obviously starting my journey in, like, the professional wrestling industry, um, I can definitely see that I've grown into a different person than I was when I first started out. Like, I've made some mistakes in, like, my wrestling career and whatnot. Like, every wrestler probably has. Like, even, like, doing certain moves and whatnot, you kind of 
decide okay like you know like I'm not going to do that because of this reason and like that reason and um the first few matches that I had obviously just even like doing like certain moves and stuff I was like yeah okay I'm not I'm gonna try this move set in this match because obviously you know and I think that helped me grow as a wrestler as well knowing which style that I was able to do instead of trying to do a different style that didn't suit me and um like I had like some like really bad matches with like Ginny, Bobby Tyler, like Zoe Lucas and stuff. Like we were in like a, a tag team match at like Rev Pro, which was like the worst match of all of our lives. Oh, you have um, to share that. What what made it so bad? Because the bad is sometimes when you look back, um, it, you either <laughs> laugh or you cry. So, well, this is like a crying match because literally. We got to the venue. We didn't actually realise what time the show actually started. I think all of us got there pretty late. So I think Jules were at, like, 5 o'clock. We got there at, like, 4 o'clock. None of us were ready. Um, we were, like, trying to, like, plan our match and, like, you know, decide what we were going to do. And then um, we kind of were like, yeah, okay, we got it. And then, like, there's other wrestlers backstage who was like, trying to be like, okay, yeah, and then, Maybe add this in and add this in. So some of us were like, okay, yeah, we've got that added in. But then other wrestlers thought, oh, no, no, that's not added in. So we went out there. It was me and Ginny versus Bobby Tyler and Zoe Lucas. Mm-hmm. And we literally, we had like half hour to get ready and also try and plan this match as well. And we just had no idea what the hell we were doing. And then <laughs> we kind of went out there. It was all right like, to begin with. It was like, okay, cool. And then we literally all just froze and had no idea what we were doing. So we literally kind of just like made it all up. But that's what made it so bad. Uh, now, can the, can the crowd pick up on on maybe just trying to prepare and you're ad-libbing on the spot, do you think? Well, I can definitely tell you they were definitely not into the match at all because it was that bad. Oh, boy. Oh boy. So they knew. <laughs> and then... Yeah, it wasn't posted online or on the demand service, which I'm so glad it didn't because it was the worst match ever. Well, and and we'll keep it somewhere hidden. We won't, other than us talking about it here, we won't do any more of that. Um, No, it's so bad. (laughs) So, but with the the bad comes the good. Did you ever get a chance to make that up with Zoe and and Ginny and and all of them and, and make that tag match something special later on? No, unfortunately we didn't. Yeah, like we just, we never really wrestled in that promotion again, um, mm. tagging. But then, like, you know, like, we're all still, like, like good friends. And I managed to wrestle Bobby Tyler elsewhere in different promotions and stuff. And we could show, like, you know, like, we can work together. We are good wrestlers. So it was nice that we could, like, prove it that way. Even though it was into the same promotion, we knew that we could work each other. Oh, that's good. So at least you, you've had at least a singles match where you can feel better about knowing that, you know, things can click and they can work out. Yeah, definitely. So it was nice that we could kind of just, like, do it that way. Um, so as you move throughout your career and you've moved to different um, promotions that you've come across or you've uh, you've faced in the UK and then in Germany, were there ever any plans about um, crossing the sea and, and competing more so um, North America, South America, Mexico... So I wanted to, you know, like get my name around the UK and like Europe first. Mm-hmm. And then once um, there was an opportunity for me or like I had been able, I, you know, I was able to be like, right, okay, like I feel like I can go show my talent elsewhere across like the other side of the pond. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like it never really worked out. I obviously wanted to wrestle in like America, like Canada, Japan, and like you know, like Mexico and stuff like that. But like, unfortunately, things happen mm-hmm. and stuff doesn't quite work out. But <laughs> yeah, but no, the, I, I mean, I did definitely want to. There was no plans put in place, but mm-hmm. there was, you know, like in my head, like I had an idea that I wanted to do it. And yes, like you said, um, you there weren't anything there wasn't anything concrete unfortunately as they say um life happens when you're busy making other plans and uh-huh. and and we're kind of been forced a really tough blow um maybe you can talk to what's happened recently i know you've addressed it um with flash um morgan webster but maybe a different outlook on it if you if you're comfortable sharing about that with us what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you you put up a Twitter post for those that maybe didn't see, but um, Sierra's unfortunately um, had been forced to retire, and I'm sure, much like anyone else, at 22, it's it, when your news came out, it was something about the age of 22. I'm thinking, what is it? There was Hannah Kimura, there was your career, and I'm thinking, in a lot of places, you want to celebrate, and this is just the start, but um, yeah, and it's not. Um, uh, when the news came down uh, for yourself, um, what? Uh, how did family react? Because they were, I'm sure, just as part of supportive of of your development and growth. Um, yes. Um, you know, like my family, like they've always been very supportive. Even when I wanted to start wrestling, and like you know, like my nan would take me to like wrestling, like training and whatnot. Um. And, like, she came to watch me on my, like, debut match when I was, like, 18. And, she, you know, she's always been, like, very supportive of, like, my wrestling career itself. Um, when we went to the spinal clinic, um, you know, like, she kind of was just like, oh, maybe they'll give you, like, a surgery date or whatnot. And that's what I thought in my head as well. Like, you know, they're going to give me, like, another surgery date. So I was like, okay, cool. And then I'll be able to have, like, my surgery, like, take my screws out of my spine. And I was like, okay. And then, like, I'm like... Once all the whole, like, COVID-19 situation is cleared and we're able to, like, go back to wrestling training again, I was had plans to, like, um, you know, like, put, like, my blood, sweat and tears into my training. And, you know, like, I had this idea for, like, this massive, like, wrestling comeback and whatnot. So my, I felt good going to, like, see my consultant. I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is going to happen. And then... Um, yeah, like, obviously, I was there, and he was like, yeah, you have another um, fracture on your back. And I was like, what? And I was like, hold up, what did you say? And I was just so taken back by what he had said. I didn't actually understand what he said. Yeah, so I was just so, like, gobsmacked. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I asked him, I was like, hey, like, am I going to be able to wrestle again? Like, am I still able to wrestle? Because he had told me a few months before that, like, my spine was fine. Like, once it's all healed, probably healed it through the surgery to take my screws out. And I was like, can I wrestle after that? And he was like, yeah, like, like eight weeks after, like, training, like, um, the screws are taken out, you can go back to training. And I was like, okay, cool. But, yeah, so, obviously, I asked him if, like, I could still wrestle again, hoping that he'd be like, yeah, of course you can. But he was like, with this new fracture, if it doesn't heal on its own, and like even even if it does, like I said, likely no. So what? So, so this this fracture was unlike the other one, and this what was more severe about this one that per se was? Um, 
because you 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 were in the you were on the road to recovery. Yeah. So um, I broke my lumbar on my L one, and um, that was my first fracture in my spine. Right. And I was like, um, you know, like that was all healed and I was fine. But where um, I had broke it, it was like as I'm looking at the X ray, the break my first break was on like the left hand side. But now my second break is on the right-hand side, but it's at my lower back. Hmm. So I think the new fracture on my back has literally just made my... My spine is going to be, like, weak for, like, life now, basically. And, like, that new fracture... Um, I mean, if my back can fracture just from, like, recovering, it's kind of just, like, if I went to rest, then my back yeah. would probably crumble. Oh, God. I'm, I'm so, so sorry, Sierra. Uh um, that's okay. Uh, I mean, you're you're a very strong young woman, and if there's anybody that's that's looking at somebody that shows resilience and is able to come back, they should be looking at you. Um, that's there's no doubt about it. Thank you. Um, that means a lot. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. It's really hard to kind of process this, and I don't want to dwell on it, but at the same time, when one door closes, hopefully there is another one opening. What what do you see as being the future for Sierra right now, or is there still kind of plans? Well, even though I can't wrestle, I would still potentially like to be involved in the wrestling community. Like, I've been doing, like, commentary at, like, Pro Wrestling Eve, and, um, which is fun. Like, I really enjoy doing. Um, you know, like, hopefully maybe take on the part of being, like, a manager kind of role, um, even doing backstage, doing, like, storylines or, you know, helping girls with their matches or guys with their matches and stuff and just helping kind of that way. I definitely feel that... Um, there is still going to be, like, I'll still be a part of wrestling, even though I can't wrestle. Um, I definitely will still be a part of it, even though it might not be a physical side, like, which I don't I don't mind. I mean, it sucks that I can't wrestle, but it's nice to think I still have a place in the independent wrestling scene. Well, even, even to look back at those that helped to get you to a point where, um, you were getting your name out. I mean, they, they helped to, to kind of open the door. You walked through and took control. But mm-hmm. if they're in some way, you know, um, and, Mar- and Mark Andrews is listening and, and has you on as someone that can help to take care of, of what his side projects are and, and work with that, um, that would be wonderful because I think um, having Sierra, if not do that, maybe even touring in a different facet right um Uh and still be a part of that so um i think that's important yeah definitely and i know that my trainers like when we had spoken like you know they said when all of like the covid is like over like we can go back to like kind of living like a normal life again now they'll help me any way that they can which is lush and like you know it's so nice that's amazing Um, yeah so like 
even though they can't help me like be like the best wrestler ever um they can still help me in the other roles like the wrestling community which is really nice um so we briefly talked about this um so now that you're you're mulling over your decisions as to what it is you you want to do um and the world has kind of been flipped upside down for all of us right now um if anybody has checked out sierra's social media uh, you can reach her on twitter um instagram as well yeah yeah definitely uh where can they get a hold of you in both where can they get a hold of you in both places at sierra loxton and that's for both instagram and twitter Fantastic. Um, but if they are checking you out, they're, they're also going to be finding out a real positive message, right? You you put out something recently where we have one voice. And what is it we're going to do with that voice? What is it that Sierra wants to do with her voice? I want to change the world, as everyone does. I want to change, you know, the wrestling independence scene. And I feel like I have, in a way, because when my injury happened, there was no paramedics or, um, yeah, there was like no paramedics on site. And mm. a lot of independent wrestling shows across the UK don't actually have paramedics. It was only a rule recently that any WWE performer who was wrestling on an independent show, they had to have paramedics there. Mm. Like, otherwise, like, there was no paramedics on any shows. So me breaking my back has shown every wrestling company even if it's in the uk europe across like the seas and whatnot that even though there's not a signed wrestler on your shows you still need to have a paramedic in place and um i know there was a lot of uproar when like i had actually broken my spine and people kicking off and whatnot but i'm glad that going forward now that any male or female wrestler who are wrestling on independent shows um, will have a paramedic there to look after them if they are hurt. So if I feel like if that if I never got hurt in the way that I had got hurt, the shows um, in the UK or like anywhere else in like the world would have carried on running without any like paramedics and whatnot. So I'm glad that I've changed the the scene that way because now anyone like wrestling going forward and whatnot, they're gonna have someone there, you know? Yeah. Um, had a paramedic been on 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 site when the injury had happened, do you think it might have prevented anything potentially or saved some time or no, no. well, maybe saved some time hmm. um but I don't think no, even if the paramedic was on there, you know like nothing would have changed like you know my back was already broken <laughs> doesn't didn't matter even on the shows which will obviously run in the future and whatnot it's just nice to have a medic medic there so you feel a bit more calm and a bit more relaxed so going forward i'm glad that there will be some something put in place for all of the shows everywhere because you don't have to be a, a signed wrestler to have paramedics you need paramedics for all of your talent that's fantastic promoters are going to have to be more they're going to have to fight for this too they and and talent aren't going to stand for it they're going to make sure that there's an answer right? no and if um any wrestling company doesn't want to have a paramedic then they shouldn't be running shows mm. because at the end of the day us performers are putting our bodies on the line for their shows not even making half of the money that wrestling promotions make yeah. when they sell it and if they can't be bothered to get a paramedic then they shouldn't be wrestling um running wrestling shows at all um here here well said are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling 
Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. One of the things that had come, we, yeah, I'm not sure where your perspective on this might be because one of the things that I, I hear about a lot, at least from across the pond, is, as, you're, as you're talking to me and I'm here in Canada, <laughs> is uh, Brit Russ being dead um, because um, a certain three-letter promotion uh, WWE has purchased or has worked very exclusively with Progress and a lot of the talent that tends to move in the UK with their NXT UK brand. What's your perspective on that? Do you think that there there is a resurgence? Do you think it's a... I mean, right now it's kind of hard to tell with anything because yeah. of COVID. But when things, hypothetically, do you, do you see it as being dead, as they say, or just... No, no, I don't yeah. at all. I mean, I, I'm so happy for all of my friends that have got signed to WWE or like AEW and whatnot. But I don't think wrestling's dead. No, I think it's a good opportunity for upcoming performers to kind of put this trademark on the wrestling scene and then fans help them grow that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely don't think it's... No, it's definitely not dead. Um, there's... I'm personally think that we have like produced some of the greatest wrestlers in the world you know in our industry and I think it's great that they're getting signed and they're getting the opportunities that they've been working hard all their life for and the same with the promotions as well like you start a little promotion and you don't expect it to like be as big so when once you see a promotion grow and grow and grow it's you know it's just nice it's just nice to see everything grow and our platform wise um, I think that some of those concerns, actually, when those had mentioned it, like because World of Sport was putting out that sh- short 10-episode uh, resurgence series a couple years back, and then mm-hmm. IPWK and RevPro, but I mean, everything, even if they're running smaller, not as frequent, they're still running, and I think that's important. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you're running, if you have like the fan base like, supporting you and whatnot, I just think... I mean, it's just not just the thought of Brit Ress is dead is just making me ill. Like, get out! Like, it's not Brit Ress is not dead. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there's there's those that have wanted to call it, but I mean, if it's such a hotbed of action, why would one specific promotion try to create a whole brand around it? I think maybe they're talking the independent, but they're still wrestling schools. They're still developing talent. I think what. Yeah. Independent talent want to protect their assets, though, um, and their characters and those things. But I think um, the whole idea of a of a union of sorts to protect your assets is important. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, before we let you go, we did want to tell you that uh, we have a little game, and I mentioned it earlier. So, mm-hmm. would you be up to playing the game? Okay, why not? <laughs> okay, so the game is the game is called Wrestling Tinder. Much like okay. much like regular Tinder, we can throw out a topic, um, and you either swipe right 
because you're interested, or or that uh, she. <laughs> That homely-looking guy that uh, maybe just doesn't have the qualities that you look for in a certain individual. You swipe left. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So, um, always a hot uh, topic: intergender wrestling. Right. Go for it. Share what your thoughts are. Agree, disagree. There are some that are so strongly against it that are in major promotions that they wouldn't because of the fear of domestic violence. And then there are those that are strongly advocating it. Um, and I've talked to Mia Yim about it, whereas she said it has nothing to do with domestic violence. It's all about consent. Uh-huh. Where, where's, where does Sierra sit? It, it has nothing to do with domestic violence. At the end of the day, what we do is an art. And we're, you know, like showing art to the fans. And it, I... With wrestling, I don't think it matters if you're a male or a female. Like, some people might not like it, but at the end of the day, we are professional athletes, and it doesn't matter about your gender at all. So, yeah, that's how I think of it. I love intergender wrestling. Um, Where did the idea for you come in to take part in intergender matches? Like, did somebody pitch Um, the idea and you, I don't know, no no no, apprehension? What's that, sorry? No apprehension? No, like, um, I've been in a few intergender matches. I actually wanted to do them for a long time. And obviously, when I first started wrestling, um, there was no, there wasn't that many girls anyway. So, and even in training, there wasn't, I was literally like the only girl technically in training. So, I had to wrestle the guys anyway. So, um, I had no one else to really wrestle. So, it was literally just wrestling the guys. Yeah. Yeah, and how else? I mean, you either wrestle the guys, or unfortunately, you're not going to get a chance to train and wrestle and and learn, right? Exactly, yeah, so. exactly. So, I think it's good. It's good. It's good to learn from a male's perspective, and like the wrestling world, and it's also great for a male to experience the female's perspective in the wrestling world. That's a, it's beautiful. I'm I'm glad that you're you were embraced. Um, not because of gender, but because of skill and ability yeah. and determination, and and it's and it's all apparent. Yes, definitely. Uh, before we let you go, we've taken about a half an hour of your time, and we can't say enough good things about you. Um, <laughs> is there is there anything you would like to leave listeners knowing about Sierra that they may not otherwise know about? And if there's a message. Right now, we're in a really tough social climate. It's kind of impossible not to turn on something, and and you're picking whose lives matter. Um, we we can all say that Black Lives Matter. I can comfortably say that. That's my opinion. I'm not sure, um, but yeah. because if you don't care about the one percent, you're that's then the other ninety nine won't matter. So, um, but what do you want to say about Sierra going forward? Like what? Um, I think whatever life takes me, um, I will always shine bright on my life path and just send out positive vibes and make sure everyone is happy and give off the love that I want to share with everyone. Amazing. Thank you very much, Sierra. Thank you. Uh, On behalf of the Freaky Princess, Miss Sierra Loxton, this is Mark Madison for the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. Thanks for listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with your host, Mark Madison. Don't forget to visit ProWrestlingPost.com for more interviews, event previews, reviews, blogs, 
and much, much more. 